Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Matthew, your Bibles or your Bible devices. Will you find the book of Matthew, please? The book of Matthew calls the reader to follow Jesus as his disciple. That's essentially the message of the text. Jesus says to Matthew, well, we haven't even got there yet. We haven't even found Matthew in the text. But he says, follow me. That's the call, the command to become the disciple of Jesus. And this text, this gospel, it it tells the reader how to do that, how to follow Jesus. The early church used this text as um, what we might call a discipleship manual uh, to, to study what G- the teachings and the ministry of Jesus, so that in the power of the Holy Spirit, we might obey and imitate Jesus. Because that's what it means to follow Jesus. Now, where we are, we are right uh, toward the, 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 the latter part of what his hist- history calls the Sermon on the Mount. That's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. That's Matthew organizing uh, a teaching section of Jesus. Jesus has teachings, and Matthew organizes it and puts it together. So what we understand is we believe the Holy Spirit presses Matthew to, to organize these words of Jesus. In your Bible, they might be words in red. I like the words in red. Uh, that doesn't mean the words that aren't in red aren't inspired. Some people kind of get upset about that. I just like them because I just, I just, it makes me happy. Is that good enough? Okay, there we go. So today, we're going to pick this up in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. And uh, so let me read here where, where, where we're going to pick up. Therefore, I tell you. Now, we know, <laughs> I haven't even started yet. When we see a therefore in the scripture, we always want to know why it's, why it's therefore. This, this section is not disconnected to where we were last week when Jesus talked about treasures in heaven. That being a disciple of Jesus is really about choosing between being generous or being an idolater. Happy Sunday. Okay. That disciples of Jesus uh, do, not, do not fix their hearts or their affections on the, the material things of this world, but that we use our material blessing for heavenly purposes, right? That's a life of generosity. Well, so, so therefore, there, we're going to follow along there. Therefore, Jesus says, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Let me put a quick bracket there. I'll probably get there later, but your Bible might say a cubit to your height. That's because both, uh, the, the, both of these words are used interchangeably. They're figures of speech. So, it's, so he, Jesus is kind of using a mixed metaphor. He's kind of like saying, can you add a cubit to your stature or to your, your lifespan? Stature and lifespan, you can see that in the, in the Greek, they could be the same word. So that, don't get like, hey, which version are you reading there? Uh, it really is kind of subject to interpretation. But the idea is, of course, worry doesn't add anything. But we'll get there. Don't worry. That'll be more fun when we get there. Uh, can, 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 can one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? <laughs> uh, uh, don't worry. I'm not going to 
pick low-lying fruit there today. Uh, 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 See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, and thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now, I'm going to get there again, but if this passage has an axis that it spins on, it's that idea, that phrase there. Matthew will increasingly, in this text, as we walk through it together, we will increasingly see Matthew recognizing that Jesus is calling his disciples to be people of faith, that Jesus calls for faith, he looks for faith, that following him is about faith. So here's the challenge. So there's the, he kind of exposes the fracture there that why are people worrying? They're worrying because they are people of little faith. Verse 31, so I tell you, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? So he's summarizing. For the pagans run after all these things. That's Jesus oishing them right away. We'll get there there too. The pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. See, Jesus has constantly reminded us in the Sermon on the Mount that we have a heavenly Father. I have a Father. He knows my name. This is, this, the disciple must remember that we have a heavenly Father. Somebody say, thank the Lord. Okay, but seek first, here we go, here's this verse that many people have heard, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry. How many times have we heard, therefore, don't worry? Okay, everybody say out loud, therefore, Therefore. don't worry. Don't worry worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the teaching of Jesus. And we thank you now for the presence of your Holy Spirit who is teaching and illuminating and challenging our hearts. Lord, would you prepare the soil of our hearts today to receive gladly the seed of your word? Lord, let there not be anything that would compete with the, the life of, this, of the word of God, the seed of your word. Lord, let it take deep seed in our heart and bear fruit in our lives today. In Jesus' name, somebody said amen. amen. My, my, I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe the Lord's objective is to get you out of here today less worried than you came. Is anybody here interested in stop, in, in, uh, you want to stop worrying and start living? Naomi is, I'm glad Anybody else, you want to stop worrying and start living Well, here's at least how we get started The first thing that Jesus says to us is is, is this Don't worry Verse 25, therefore I tell you Do not worry about your life We've got to come to grips with the first thing Jesus says Is this is a command So when it comes to worry you got don't worry well don't worry <laughs> don't have no fear we will we'll get to more explanation and persuasion and all kind of those, there'll be some supporting things here but the disciple of Jesus is not given permission to worry worry is a luxury you can't afford has it ever struck you what a genuinely happy person Jesus was He was able to live fully alive in the moment. He could be fully present with each person and at every task. 
Thousands of people around him, suffering, pulling on him, talking to him. He's pressing, walking through a crowd. People are pressing on him, talking to him, uh, wanting him to, where's my cereal girl? Wanting, wanting, him to, wanting him to buy a fundraiser in the, in the cafe before church starts. All these kinds of things. And Jesus stops and says, somebody touched me. Peter says, uh, yeah, Jesus, everybody, everybody's touching you. He said, no, 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 somebody did. He's on his way to minister to someone who's dying. A crowd is pressing in around him, but he's fully present in the moment of someone that society not, over, not only overlooks, obfuscates, but ostracizes. How is, he, how is he able, in the midst of all of that, to be fully present? He never divides his attention or his concern. No moment ever was diminished by worry over what wasn't right in front of him. To some of us, living without worry seems as possible as living without breathing. But to his disciples, Jesus says, don't. Now, friends, Jesus is not advocating a shiftless, thriftless, reckless, thoughtless uh, uh, attitude toward life. He's not, ad, ad, he is not advocating a careless approach. He is forbidding a care-worn approach to life, a life that is marked by worry and fear, which takes all the joy out of life. When we worry, what we are doing is we are imagining negative scenarios that haven't happened yet or may never We are literally imagining negative scenarios and then we respond to them. Our body, our brain mechanism, we respond to them physically, emotionally, biologically. We respond to imagined scenarios and those responses to worry actually have damaging effects on our psyche and our body. Consequences of worry on the body and the mind include constant distraction, divided interest, and being unsettled. Depression, guilt, hopelessness, irritability, increased and irregular heartbeat, intestinal discomfort and digestive challenge, extreme fatigue, increase in blood pressure, unexplained aches and pains. Many of these things are directly attributed to the place that worry has gained in our lives. Worry over lack, worry over rejection, worry over failure. It's everywhere, and it always distracts, it always disables, it always destroys. Friends, here's the deal. If the devil can keep you worried, he'll keep you defeated and useless. No wonder Jesus says, don't. Worry destroys, worry is wrong, and Jesus tells us not only that we don't have to worry, but that we must not, and he explains why and how. Pick it up at verse 25, the rest of verse 25, when Jesus says, don't worry about your life, meaning what you will eat or drink. He says in verses 25 through 27, our next section that we see is, don't worry because worry won't help you. Would you say it out loud? Worry won't help you. Oh, say it again. I want you to say it a third time so that someone next to you hears you say it. Worry won't help you. Okay, there, good job. Okay, don't worry about what you'll eat or drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food? Well, 
Uh, isn't life more than food? I, yes, Jesus, I, I submit to your instruction. I'm a follower of Jesus. Uh, it's more, it's, life is more than food, but food's a great, wonderful part of it. Hallelujah. And the body more than clothes. Look at the birds. Or he could have, you know what would have been good? Some of, these, some of these new translations, you know how they like to kind of modify the language to fit the culture? They could have said, isn't the body more than shoes? <laughs> Blasphemy. Um, Jesus didn't say shoes. Uh, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, here's the crux. Here's the part here. Aren't or are you not much more valuable than they? Do you, as the disciple of Jesus, recognize that God thinks you're valuable? Maybe that would help your worry meter if you believe what Jesus says. You are valuable to God. You are valuable enough for God to send His only Son to die on your behalf. You matter to God. You should tell someone next to you today, you matter to God. Only some of you believed it enough to say it robustly. Others of you are tired of saying things already. If I wanted to say stuff. Uh, if, I wanted to, if I wanted to talk out loud in a group, I'd watch a football game and cheer. You know what, Faith? I don't, you guys don't need to add to it. Oh, he just roasted them. They know there was roasting. They don't need commentary. Oh, I believe he just roasted the crowd, John. Are you not much, are you not much more valuable? Somebody say much more valuable. Oh, I mean, you've got to say it out loud. You've got to believe this. This is what happens when we get God's word into our heart. I am much more valuable than a bird. Come on, come on. That's right. Verse 30, 27. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? What's he saying here? Well, he's, he's, look, birds do not sow or reap or store in barns, yet their needs are met by God. You might say, well, Jesus, birds don't have mortgages and minivans and cable bills and other things. A lot of other, a lot of other things I need to pay for. Well, maybe there's another thing to consider. But, but the point is, birds, you, Jesus is saying, hey, guys, you do do these things. You do work, and, and you, 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 you do store, and you do save. You do act responsibly. You do more than the birds, and you're worth more than the birds. So what place has worry in your life? It's really, uh, you work, you trust, and then you, you trust, you work, and then you trust God to care for you. Get up, do the right thing, and trust God to care for you. Yeah, you should work, you should sow, you should reap, you should save, you should give, you should build. You can do a lot of things to improve your life and to care for others. You can do many things to better your life. But worrying ain't one of them. (laughs) There's a lot of things you can do to make your life better, and worry is not one. Worrying will not add any value or bring any increase to your life. 
I know you've, I know you've felt it. The, the, the expectations rise, the questions, some, something, something about what isn't in front of you feels like it wants your attention or it matters and you want to worry. You feel the pressure of anxiety and, and, you, and it seems like if I worry about it, that will help. But you need, to, you need to come into the light of God's word and say, it will never help. You can't add an hour to your life. You can't add a foot to your height. You can't add a dollar to your paycheck. You cannot help your kids by worrying. You can't parent by fear. You can't help your friends by worry. You can't help yourself by worry. You can't pay your bills by worry. You can't regain your health by worrying. You won't get there faster by worrying. You won't get it done sooner by worrying. Worry accomplishes nothing. It doesn't help you see. It doesn't help you think. It doesn't help you focus. It doesn't help you solve. Worrying will not help. But there are more than just these practical reasons not to worry. We aren't told not to worry only because worry is bad for us or because it's impractical but because worry itself is an expression. It's an exercise of unbelief. Verses, beginning at, we pick it up at verse 28 through 30. We'll see Jesus teach us that worry is active unbelief. Worrying is, is actively unbelieving. Verse 20, he picks it up again. So why do you worry about clothes? Uh, see how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So the first, the first uh, hook in the first paragraph was, you are valuable to God. Understand your value and that worry won't help you. The second hook in the next paragraph is, worry is, is a symptom of unbelief. Disciples do not worry because disciples live by faith. Faith does not worry. Faith prepares, faith sows, faith faith saves and gives generously. Faith does all of these things with gladness of heart, as we have seen. Faith does all of these things with gratitude and trust in God. Faith sees and faith hopes and we believe and we obey and we solve problems and we endure and we go through the long run, but we do all of it. Trust. We work and we trust that God is working. Faith works trusting that God is also working. That's what Romans chapter 8, verse 28 assures us of. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Jesus takes it further, verses 31 through 32, when he tells us that unbelievers act like there is no one to believe in. Verse 31, so don't worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. And you might, it might do better to sort of uh, give that some uh, a dramatic flair. Like Jesus is saying, so don't worry saying 
What shall we eat? <laughs> what shall we drink? What shall we wear? Verse 32, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, a little bit, this is where you guys should have piped in. When Jesus said that, you should have said, oh, he roasted. You should have said it then. Yeah. Because that, Jesus, thank you. Jesus is sort of roasting his listeners when he compares their attitudes to unbelievers. You have to imagine yourself, this is first century, first century Palestine. Jesus is speaking to first, a first century Jewish population, and he actually says to them, Gentiles worry about that stuff. And that's what they do. Not, well, I'm not going to do that. I mean, basically, Jesus says only pagans worry. Only people that don't know that they have a heavenly father have a reason to worry. Beyond that, that, so beyond that gotcha is that fundamental point. Unbelievers act like there's no one to believe in because they don't know that there is. So therefore, their lives are often characterized by worry and a fear of lack and a fear of loss. So he's not necessarily criticizing or making fun. He's illustrating the difference between those who have someone to believe in and those who don't know there is someone to believe in. The disciple of Jesus, our lives must be characterized instead by a trusting confidence in the faithful providence of the Heavenly Father. This is the hope of every believer. If you're a follower of Jesus, your hope is this. You have a heavenly Father who knows your name and he knows your needs. Oh, we should try to say he knows my name and he knows my needs. Somebody say it with me. He knows my and he knows my This is our promise. This is our hope. This is the, the intention. This is the, the, the apostles in the epistolary literature. They enjoin us to this life that is free from worry. Listen to the apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything. What? Now listen, do you, we don't need all the Greek there, but how, do you feel the universality of that? Do not. Somebody say, do not. Be anxious, Be anxious. About, anything. about anything. Not anxious about anything. There, there's just, we have no margin. Well, how about just this one thing? No. No. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart. Anxiety and worry will destroy your heart, but the peace of God will guard your heart and your minds. God wants you to have a healthy heart and a healthy mind, and worry will do the opposite of both. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Cast <laughs> all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I feel like I want to grab something and throw it. Are you sure? It would be very illustrative. But take whatever that and throw it. Just throw it. Roll it all onto Jesus. Just get rid of it. It's baggage. It's empty. It's worthless. It weighs you down. Proverbs says, anxiety in the heart of a man depresses him. 
Peter says, cast those concerns, roll them onto the Lord. Why? Why? Ready for it? Because he cares for you. Do you believe that? That's the, this is the thing. If you can believe that, if that can get somewhere into your hearts today, you can cast, you can roll all care and anxiety onto the Lord. That doesn't mean, again, that doesn't mean you live this irresponsible, frivolous, goofy life. It means that you live a life that is not plagued by worry. He cares for me. Wow. Finally, Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is really ramping up this, uh, this message about trust and the goodness of God and calling his audience to, to just completely, uh, really abandon themselves to trust in God's providence. And here's what he says. What shall we say in response to all these things? And he's already said a bunch of cool stuff. God works for our good and does this and does that. What shall we say in response to all these things? If you can believe this. I'm going to take a drink of my coffee so you can get ready. If God is for us, who can be against us? Congratulations, you win. You cannot lose. Is there anybody in the house who believes that? If God is for me, who can be against me? We can't lose. I can't collapse. It's not over. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? You, you, listen, you already got the Son of God. You're not just going to get, you don't have to settle for some door prize. Everything heaven has is yours. Finally, verse 33, Jesus says that disciples prioritize. This is how we deal with, okay, I know I'm not supposed to. I know it doesn't make sense. I understand that there's the, the foundation for me not having to worry, that I shouldn't worry, is that I have a heavenly Father who cares for me, that I live by faith, that he knows my need, he knows my name. And here's what disciples do. Disciples, disciples prioritize God provides. Disciples prioritize. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You, have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that uh, when you're occupied with something that seems like a big deal, and then suddenly something else comes up, and that one thing, it just wasn't a big deal anymore? Like disagreements become minor and overlookable suddenly. Leaky pipes become less than the, the massive catastrophe in the face of something really, really important. I mean, it's why we drop everything when someone says the baby is coming. You're laying on the couch in the middle of the night and your pregnant wife leaves over and you says, my wife, she says, my water is broken. You don't say, give me 10 more minutes. <laughs> can you, great, can you fetch me another pillow, you know? I'm trying, to get, I'm trying to sleep here. Nobody says that. She, you know, this, yes, I'm speaking from experience. You know, yeah. You don't say, she, my water, hey, my water broke. You don't say, I've just got to sleep. You know, this, this couch is not if you want to live. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, not, if, not if you ever want to sleep another night again, right? 
when, or, or you even, it's why we run to the door. It's why you, you regretfully sometimes, you know, pause the DVR when the door knocks. Some things just are more important. What seems urgent is often quickly displaced by what is truly important. And worry is a symptom of lost priority. If you're worrying something, according to Jesus, something other than obeying and imitating Jesus by the power of the Spirit has got your attention. In one of Jesus' most fundamental parables, he he compares the worries of this life to weeds that choke and prevent the seed of the Word from producing fruit in our life. Jesus does not tell us to deny worry He tells us to displace it. Seek first the kingdom of God. Give your heart something to do. Give your mind something that matters. Give your energy and your efforts. Redevote, reorient yourself to the eternal, to the important, to the meaningful, and the unimportant. The worry, the rot, the decay of worry will be displaced from your life. We don't deny it. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. That will not work. (laughs) I'm not going to think about baseball. I'm not going to think about baseball. No, you're going to think about baseball, okay? You displace it. You don't deny it. You turn your hearts. This is why Proverbs says in chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's not passive. That's active. I decide with my heart to trust in the Lord with all of my heart. And I, and I do not lean on my own understanding. I can't. Worry comes from when I try to understand or, or perceive or make sense of life from my frame of reference. No matter how well informed, it's still limited. I trust God. In all your ways, submit to him. Dedicate, devote, submit every path of your life to him. And he will make your paths straight. He will guide them. He will direct them. You displace worry by choosing to trust God and follow Jesus with every step of your life. We displace worry by redirecting our energies and our affections and our thoughts and our actions toward that which is real and meaningful. The truth is, friends, you have bigger fish to fry. Your heart and your mind are being called upon to know and to love and to serve Jesus Christ. You've been called to a higher way of life than worry. Don't let worry rob you of your regal calling. Seek first, seek most the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. All these things. There isn't anybody who's ever, who's ever given their life to follow Jesus and regretted it. Worry will keep you in the boat instead of walking on water. Worry will keep you mending your nets instead of letting out your nets into deeper water. Worry will keep you clutching your little lunch instead of feeding a multitude. Worry will keep you in the kitchen instead of at the feet of Jesus. 
Worry will keep you clinging to the temporary while you forfeit the eternal. Worry will keep you settling for enough instead of experiencing abundance. Worry helps us live like Jesus, fully present, fully alive in this moment. Verse 34 says, therefore, again, here it is again, therefore, do not worry. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. <laughs> Each day has enough trouble of its own. You have enough opportunity to focus your faith and do something with your faith today. Followers of Jesus are fully present. They are alive. They are trusting. They, they are fully alive in the now. You literally, friends, you know this. You literally cannot be two places at once. In, we try. You I mean, I'm here, but mentally, emotionally, and everywhere else, I want to be somewhere else. But you know what? When you're only halfway up, you're neither up nor down. <laughs> you cannot be here and there. You cannot be now and then. Jim Elliott, the great missionary, said it this way. Wherever you are, be all there. That's the only way that your life will have meaning. That's, that's how we follow Jesus. How many moments are lost because we're looking elsewhere, thinking of someone or something else, instead of being fully present in the moment? Gratitude is fully present. Contentment, fully present. Joy, fully present. Love, fully present. Jesus is fully present. And if you're following him, so will you. You can be fully present in this moment because you're a follower of Jesus and you have a shepherd. Let me close with these comforting words from a very familiar psalm to many. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. You know, if you read this passage slowly enough, you'll see that, that, the, you can be, that the Lord is present in every kind of scenario of our concerns. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You prepare me, pardon me, your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. That's favor and healing. That's what a shepherd would do for a lamb. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me. Now that word follow is the word pursue. Your goodness and your love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
That is how you stop worrying and start living. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Thank <laughs> you.